0: Student loans, they're a pain in the ass, whether you're paying them off or trying to figure out the process. And that's why this week on Queer Money, we invite Will from Breaking Student Debt podcast to share with us some of the tactics that he used while he was in school, as well as now that he's out of school, how he's paying off those student loans. He also clues us in on a really interesting new site that is helping students pay off their debt. Paying off your debt is just one of the financial aspects of our lives. One of the others is being aware of our financial situation, something that our sponsor MassMutual can help you with. Check them out at MassMutual.com. There's personal finance for the masses. This is not personal finance for the masses. This is Queer Money.
1: Cool. Welcome back to another episode of Queer Money. This week, we're excited to have Will Boyd of the Breaking Student Debt Podcast. Will reached out to us several months ago. I don't He he was listening to our podcast and he said, hey, would you be interested in coming on our podcast? And we said, totally, because we never turned <laughs> down an invitation to a podcast. And we had a great time on his show. And he was one of the first people to ever stump us with a question. Actually, there was a long dead silence on that show. So <laughs> not because um, of bad production, but more so because we had no thoughts.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it took us a minute to figure out what we wanted to say. <laughs>
2: exactly. So cool. We're, we're happy to have uh, William on our platform. So welcome, Will. Hey, thanks so much, guys, for having me. It's an honor to be here. Um, I feel so lucky that I was just listening to to the Queer Money podcast and thought, I need to reach out to these guys because they've figured it out, how to get out of debt. And uh, I'm I'm so thrilled to be asked to be on the show as a guest.
1: Absolutely. So your secret is that you're helping people break student loan debt. And that's something that a lot in our community, the LGBT community, and um, millennials, and even some Gen Xers are still suffering from. We just saw
0: a statistic <laughs> recently <laughs> ABCs. Right, that said that what was it, 26% of people who are retiring today have some form of student loan debt. Yeah. It's
1: just and it's starting crazy. to affect their retirement. Um, so we're excited to have Will on to talk about what he's learned and what he knows and how he might be able to help uh, the LGBT community specifically and um, the broader community generally. So, uh, Will, do you mind giving us and uh, your listeners a little bit of background on who you are and what you do?
2: Sure. So I'm a physical therapist by trade. I I recently graduated from physical therapy school uh, six months ago, and I'm now working, going to people's homes, providing physical therapy services. And then on the side, I I got kind of frustrated in school, decided I'd start a podcast about the human body and try to connect with people in my field of physical therapy and health and wellness and, and try and learn from them and accelerate my career. I really just saw my mom would listen. Luckily, a few more people decided to listen, and so that was great. Uh, it's been an interesting journey, and then just as I was about to graduate, student my student loan debt really hit me hard. And I thought, I I'm I'm not terrible with money, but I'm not great with money. Hence, why I sought you guys out to be on the show to learn from you guys. And I thought, you know, I need to kind of document this process, and I and I have the podcast thing kind of figured out. Why not make a podcast about? this student loan debt situation that I'm in because talking with friends, I realized they were all in the same boat and that's just really where it's all started. It's led to where I am now and, and it's been really eye-opening to learn from a lot of people who who are kind of on the inside of, of the student loan policy and then other people who are trying to sort of correct it or find ways for people to get out of student loan debt. So, that's where I am. I'm a, I'm a relatively new professional in the field, physical therapy, and just trying to help people Get rid of this massive thing we call student loan debt.
1: Gotcha. So you're you're a wealth of information, but you're being humble because you have a doctorate
2: in physical therapy. Is that right? I do. Yes, it's a, it's a doctorate degree. Yes, I should I should not be humble because it cost me quite a bit of <laughs> uh, quite a bit of money to get. But uh, yes, yeah, doctor of physical therapy. Nice. What can you tell um,
1: our listeners? What drew you to that career?
2: Yeah. So, actually, I was uh, out of college. In college, I'd studied international studies in Spanish. And I really wanted to go to law school. And I I really wanted to be a human rights lawyer, so much so that I spent a year studying in South America, uh, studying human rights in Chile. Wow. And uh, when I left, I I went and taught English in Spain because I wasn't sure. I wasn't ready to go to law school. Um, And while I was there, I was studying for the LSAT, which is the exam to get into law school. And I was studying probably four or five hours every day after I would teach, and I just saw my physical health kind of going away, just sitting and reading contracts for my career. And, and just to open up a little bit about me, I'm—I I come from a family that has very much hereditary anxiety and depression. Uh, I've had my own struggles for the past decade or so, and I knew that for me, one way that I really combated is to be physically active and to live a healthy lifestyle. And so I knew that, or I didn't know, I saw myself sitting for a long time, working 60, 70 hours a week as a new lawyer and in law school. And I thought, this just isn't going to work out. And so I started Googling, what should my career be? What should I do with my life? Like, who am I? <laughs> uh, all the metaph- all the metaphysical questions that one can ask Google. And uh, it's amazing. Google's pretty smart. It led <laughs> me to the path of... Uh, you should go into the medical field. And and we were joking off camera before this about how terrible John and I are at science in a lot of ways. <laughs> and uh, I, I hope that's okay, John. Too. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I don't know if I should do that. But I got lucky. My dad is a... He qualifies as a disabled veteran. And in the state of Indiana, where they were living at the time, you got up to 120 hours of free tuition if you're if you were a child of a disabled veteran. And so, I thought, well... You know if I mess up and I go back and try to do this and I don't get it, you know, at least I'm not wasting my money or someone else's money and I ended up liking it and that's really the true story of how I ended up in PT. I know a lot of people have this story that they get injured and they had a, you know, a stint of physical therapy. I'd sprained my ankle playing soccer a lot, but I never went to a physical therapist except for one time, so I guess I kind of come from a little bit different approach or reason for getting into it and um yeah, that's that's my story for becoming a physical therapist.
0: Interesting. Did you mention how much student loan debt he has acquired? <laughs> no, yeah, that was going to be my next question. Do you want to say it? <laughs> Yeah, Will, why don't you share with us, because you have this uh, passion for helping people understand the story you're going through, and you are not an isolated case, that is for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we, have a, we have a family member who is drowning in debt, student loan debt right now as well. Do you mind sharing with us uh, what your PT degree yeah. cost you? <laughs> Absolutely. And, it, and it's interesting
2: that you you say PT degree because you're right. I actually was able to pay for my – I didn't pay for it. I was, the help of my family and a little bit of scholarship money Pay for my undergraduate degree. I went to a public in-state school. And so, that was free. So, I wasn't carrying any debt going into graduate school. And I currently, as of two days ago, I checked my student loan debt. I'm at $161,000 now with interest. And if we think about, or if I think about, when I interviewed you guys a few months ago, I was at $155,000. And so that just goes to show what happens with this sort of compounding interest or high interest rates that you have on some of these student loans. And you can see kind of this wormhole that we get into that you're just trying to play catch up in a lot of ways. And so I think the best thing that I can do for anyone is just be transparent and be honest. And so uh, I'm looking at a very, very, very large number of $161,000 in student loan debt. Wow.
1: And what was – do you know what the term for that that interest that was added since the last time we talked, was that when you acquired over the last six months or – I guess what I'm struggling with is because I thought uh, if you only graduated six months ago, you shouldn't have had to make a payment until about
0: now, right?
2: Right. I have not had to. So my first payment will be due in a month. But some of the loans that I I have taken out, actually, the interest started as soon as I had accepted the money interest actually started on some of the loans. And mm-hmm. so actually during PT school, I had a fixed cost of what my tuition would be and the money that I took out for personal expenses. But all of those loans were actually accruing some interest while I was in school. Right. Gotcha. And how
1: long yeah. were you in PT school?
2: I actually chose the school I went to. It's a small school in Pittsburgh because you get done in two years and six months, whereas most programs are three years. And so I thought, same six months and hopefully get started working sooner. The only con was we didn't get really any breaks except for Christmas. But uh, for me, I thought it was worth it to reduce the amount of tuition as, as
0: much as possible. Sure. Yeah. So I, I just want to make a point here that I think that a lot of you may be not taking into consideration. Will brought up that he when he took the money to start going to school, he immediately started accruing interest. And when that happens, it's almost as if you, <laughs> it's almost as if you start paying for the car, but you don't get it until you graduate. Uh, and <laughs> it, you're, you're basically paying that interest over that time period, which may be a reason, a motivator to do exactly what you did, Will, was to go to a school where you would be done six months early. Cause although <laughs> it's not, a large amount but still 4 or 5% on $150,000 over 6 months is uh it's going to add up pretty quickly. Absolutely
2: you make a great point it's something that we I talk a lot with my friends about and and exactly that I guess I didn't realize how quickly a small number such as 4.5% to my eye right to my eye that's not it's not that much what that equates to over time and uh it it shocked me, and it's something that I'm, I'm right now trying to figure out going through the refinancing process, uh, which, which is something that if you're interested in, we can talk about it. It's been interesting trying to figure out how do you play this game of managing these different interest rates and how they, over time, really can make a huge difference.
1: Yeah, we should definitely cover that. It sounds like you're, you're experiencing the negative consequences of compounding interest. Usually, we talk about the benefits of compounding interest by investing in the market, but it can happen to you. It can work against you. But let's take a step back. When you started school or as you were going through school, were you cognizant of the debt you were acquiring? Or what was your thought process while you were going through school with regard to your debt?
2: Yeah, that's that's a great question. I was cognizant, but ignorantly cognizant. I tried to just pretend that it didn't exist, even though I knew it existed. So I, I was not the most conscious of taking out like the minimum amount that I would absolutely need I I would take more just so I knew that I would have a, a buffer and a comfort zone to still have a life and do things that I wanted to do in terms of go out with friends or or you know go to a baseball game or or whatever it was but I wish I was more cognizant and and I think part of the reason that I wasn't is I grew up in a family where money wasn't the most important thing but it it was if there was a source of tension it would be usually over money and so I think I grew up wanting to just not ever have to think about it because it seems so trivial to me. I don't know why, but in my mind as a kid, I was just like, why are we arguing over money? I didn't understand the concept. And so I think I grew up wanting to not have that kind of mindset where it would, I don't know, dictate my life. And and now I'm in the opposite position. I, I've come around, I I see where my parents, you know, where they were struggling and, and now I'm in their shoes. So It's kind of come full circle. I I highly recommend to someone and and to my older version of myself to be more cognizant of what money means, what it represents in terms of opportunity and time um, and your own value. And so, I I really wish I would have been more cognizant.
0: It's interesting you bring up a point there, Will, of this idea of not liking the fact that money was dictating your life. and I think that there's two ways to look at it if if you don't dictate to money what its purpose is then money will dictate to you what your life is going to be about because we spend it unconsciously if we are not really focused on understanding how to spend the money it's going to end up turning its back you know turning it right back on us and saying this is how you're going to have to live your life and your life is going to be full of stress struggle concern and in family situations, oftentimes it ends up being fights. Yeah, <laughs>
1: you're, you're thinking in Facebook memes today. That's I great. We right? <laughs> to add that to our Facebook feed. <laughs> um, so if you thinking of your mindset of your older self, um, and I think many students are in school right now because our nieces experience, I think, this kind of thought process, what, what advice or suggestion would you have to help students become more cognizant or to want to be more cognizant of the depth they're acquiring? Is there... Any insight that you have from your experience?
2: Yeah, I guess I would take it two directions. First, if, if they haven't decided to go to, let's say, higher education, which is where I, I tend to associate the majority of student loan debt, going to college or university. Um, I suppose there are other ways that you could get some type of student loan debt, but I, I associate it with higher education. And If you haven't gone yet, I would really, really, really consider taking maybe a year off of just not going to school delaying and working for a year and i know that's not maybe the most traditional route but i do think that you learn so much in that time of working and understanding what money means to you and value and working full time like what that means what your what it means to give your time from let's say 9 to 5 and realistically for most places 8 to 6 or even longer if you're commuting places you know what do you want to set your life up for i i think i went to college as just uh it was what you were expected to do Not a, how is this going to set me up for the rest of my life? And the other thing too is, you know, if you're interested in certain things, like let's say marketing or, you know, different online things, like a formal education might not even be the best route to go. And so, I would just, I always recommend to those uh, younger people who haven't applied or haven't gotten into college yet or haven't decided that's what they want to do, that they kind of look into these options. And, And I'm a huge fan of trial and error. You can do so much for for free and cheap in terms of learning on through YouTube or uh, Udemy, all these different options that are out there. And then for someone who's in school already and and wants to figure things out, I highly recommend someone like a guest that you guys have had on, uh, Jocelyn Panita's course, The Scholarship System. Mm -hmm. I mean, she is doing something incredible. She's helping people essentially pay for the majority of their college tuition through finding these different scholarship opportunities. And I would just say, really find those. I mean, we're at a point where it'd be hard to change tuition. And I don't think, I don't have a statistic, but I'm pretty sure in the last decade, tuition has never gone down. It's either stayed the same or risen. Mm -hmm. And so, we're not going to be changing that, but we can change how we Apply our own talents and gifts and skill set to tackling that rising tuition, and that can be through scholarships or through crowdfunding crowdsourcing different methods. I would just say, do as much research as you can. The internet is amazing the The ability to find resources it's out there it just takes hard work, and I think that's the hardest thing that i I don't think I could have talked to myself when I was that age into really understanding hard, hard work. I knew hard work, but I didn't understand real hard work. And so I think that's the, the hardest thing to, to help someone is, is really take on that mindset of action and I will make it happen. I can make it happen. I can give you all the resources, but if you don't have that desire and drive, it's hard to do. So I, I hope that answered some of the question I kind of got on a, on a tangent there about mindset. No, there, there's a
1: ton of great information in that. And to your point about you know not taking the traditional route, you know, to um, Einstein's comment, we can't solve our problems with the same thinking that got us into them um, or something like that. He probably said it brillianter than I did. <laughs> <laughs> <Brilliant-er>. <laughs> but um, maybe, maybe taking a year off for more students than what is t- traditionally the case makes more sense. Before you know, figure out what it is you really want to do before you dive into acquiring a bunch of debt. Um, and to, to your recommendation about Jocelyn, David and I just spoke at the um, Prudentials LGBT Financial Experience Symposium, and we took a bunch of questions from people, and people wrote down answers or were or, or taking notes as, as we responded. But when somebody asked about alternatives to help pay for school, when we recommended Jocelyn and her strategy, all heads went down and started so writing notes, <laughs> so it got our, I think it got our best response. So I'm glad that you recommended that because that is a, a great resource. To take a step back for you, how can you break down your debt for us? How much of it was, was tuition? How much of it was room and board? And how much of it was that quality
2: of life that you kind of alluded to earlier? Beer money,
1: maybe beer money. <laughs>
2: Uh, there was quite a bit that went to beer beer money that i won't lie um but i think tuition itself ended up around 80 the low 80000s just strictly tuition and then i took out i want to say 60 some for personal uh living over the course of 3 years and that got me to december and then since then it has added up to i want to say 15 to 20 grand more uh, just through the interest that 's been accruing on on the varying loans that i have and and just to break it down, I have all my tuition was paid for through Stafford loans, which is through the uh government, and then as well, I have grad plus loans, which is also another sort of segment of the government distribution of of student loan money so no private i didn 't have any private loans i should say okay yeah that 's interesting, yeah,
1: yeah, that quality of life can uh affect you. In terms of your student loans. For example, our niece, uh, she went to school, and a a good chunk of hers went to pay for room and board. And the idea was that. there weren't many options for her to, to have a place to stay that was safe and, and, and a, uh, for a woman to live at. And so that might be something to consider when you're thinking about school. Don't just think about the degree that you're getting. Think about what the cost of getting that degree is going to be, the peripheral cost of getting that degree is going to be, and whether that actually makes sense, because it might make more sense for you to go to a different school that might not require such high room and board.
0: Yeah. And I, I will comment. I've seen a number of articles over the last year about how schools, some schools are really changing the, the quality of life that they offer at school. And because of that, you know, for example, these, some of these schools are becoming five-star resorts with multiple swimming pools and the activities that are provided and all of those things. Well, those those aren't free. You don't get those for free when you go to school you are being charged for that. And so you have to, to to keep in mind that those are the things that you're paying for, but you're paying for them with interest all over over that time. It's just going to add up to your additional costs, your student loan costs. Can I ask you a question, Will? Did, did you uh, work at all while you were in school? No, I, I worked for all of three days, I think,
2: in my very first semester uh, and I quickly realized I, I wasn't going to be able to handle it. We we have a very intense academic course load, and as because it's it's I think for any physical therapy program, I'm sure a lot of healthcare programs or graduate degrees, uh, it, it's really intensive. And uh, honestly, for the quality of life, the types of jobs that I could get, we're going to be paying anywhere from ten to fourteen dollars an hour. Right. And the reality is that I could probably give maybe five to ten hours a week to that, and those were the five to ten hours a week that i I decided that I needed for my own mental health because th- those were literally the five to ten hours I had or ten to fifteen hours, however many total that I had to do anything besides school i I made a decision not to work. I think it's possible, I think, especially if you have a very high rewarding job, then it's worth it. I had a friend who was a personal trainer who would make 50 to 75 bucks an hour. And so he could work 10 hours a week and it really helped paid, essentially paid for his rent. Whereas I was looking at making not nearly that I was looking at maybe making, you know, a hundred bucks in terms of for my quality of life. And so that's something that I I had to weigh up. And eventually I started to teach myself how to make websites uh, and how to do some internet marketing. And then I was able to work a little bit on the side, uh, but I never had a formal job during. During my graduate school studies.
1: That makes a lot of sense. You got to yeah. weigh what the benefits of, of that, that are going to be. And if you need a you need a mental break throughout the week. Yeah, exactly. Makes well,
0: sense. You, and the point that you make is that some people can and some people can't. And whether it's uh, course load or their personal circumstances, some are going to be able to do it and some can't. And you have to take that in consideration when you're calculating all these costs. Yeah, I, And I will say, for the parents who are listening, please remember that the these are the kinds of things that your children will appreciate when they graduate from school. If you can help them to understand some of these costs, your children are going to appreciate that. It may not be a way, they may not be aware of it immediately and they may look at it as slightly restrictive, but when they graduate and they have a full understanding of how much money and, and debt that they have and, uh, and what it took for them to go to school compared to maybe some of their friends who didn't have that guidance, they're going to thank you. <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: absolutely. So you, you mentioned that you're refinancing your loans right now. Can you, do you mind um, sharing what your strategy is for helping to pay off your loans and including your refinancing?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, I'm really fortunate that through our process of one of the podcasts that I host, we came across a group called FitBux, which is F-I-T-B-U-X. And they're sort of dedicated to healthcare students or students who have gone through healthcare graduate programs. And they help us through the refinancing, understanding our student loan situation process uh, it, it's still an up and coming company. But anyways, the whole point is they're, they're the ones sort of helping me. And so, I recently just had a talk with their CEO who has plenty of time to help people. And he uh, he helped me realize I needed to get into an extended fixed loan. So, mm-hmm. otherwise, I was looking at the standard loan repayment. So, if anyone's out there and you're in school right now, the standard loan payment or repayment plan is a 10-year plan. And you're looking at a very high monthly payment, depending on how much you owe. I was looking at a one thousand nine hundred eighty-one dollar a month payment on the ten-year standard repayment plan. Wow. which was going to be tough.
0: That's uh, a four hundred thousand dollar house. <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, Could I get that? That would be great. Uh, I would trade. I would trade my degree in for that. Uh, but so I realized I needed to do something different, and he helped me figure out I needed to go to an extended fixed graduate repayment plan, not the graduated. There are several things you can do. He essentially helped me realize the income-based plan wasn't for me, the extended graduated, all of that which, you know, maybe for another episode you can go into we can go into details about. I realized I need to get that extended. So that brought my costs down to, I think, around eleven hundred a month, which still a large chunk of, of my income, but at least more manageable in that the other part can now go to rent. Uh, and then he's helping me. Once my first few payments are are in and I've paid them, then we're going to be talking about specifics of refinancing and, and using specific companies and programs that are out there to help you refinance your loan. And for anyone who's not familiar with refinancing, essentially it means I have six to eight different loans right now. I can't remember exactly. I think I have, I think I have eight and you have to, they all have, different interest rates on them, depending on which type of loan they are, whether that's the Stafford or their Grad Plus loan. And they all have different interest rates. And so what refinancing is I can take all those and essentially combine them, consolidate them, get one interest rate on all of them. And that's what I'm looking at, at doing. It depends on several things like your credit score, uh, your debt to income ratio, as well as your sort of Credit history, along with your credit score and those kind of things, so that's where I'm at, and and I love to be transparent. In that I'm still not a hundred percent sure exactly what my decision will be. You know, that's what I'm documenting on the podcast right now. Is is how I'm I'm sort of sorting through all of this noise of numbers and uh, all these different words for loans and stuff that before I had no idea what any of it meant, which I think is part of the scheme, right? Just confuse you. And so you (laughs) don't know what to do, but uh, that's that's a little bit of my bias in there. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I, I love we, that you're uh, I love that you're documenting your experience going through it because I think it makes it more accessible to people who are going through it as well as opposed to having somebody preach down from the pulpit saying right. you should do all this it's it's kind of they can learn as you learn vice and vice versa. Right. So I think it's great. So to be clear,
2: does Fitbucks primarily or only help those in physical therapy? No, so they're actually they they're, they're going to be open to Anyone. They've just, uh, that's who they first targeted uh, in terms of their first sort of niche population that they wanted to affect the CU. His wife is a physical therapist. And so that's sort of where the, the interest started for them of, of this population. But they are, they're really, really incredible. I highly recommend. Um, and this is no plug. I, I get no payment for this at all. Just they're really, really a great group of people and a company that are really trying to help people get out of student loan debt. And they've just happened to start out trying to reach healthcare students. But anyone can go look at look them up and see the the software that they're building. They have a really cool algorithm that takes into account human capital, which a lot of uh, loan companies and finance companies don't take into account. So, sort of your more human skills that you have that maybe you can't put a monetary value to right away. They're developing software to sort of incorporate that. So, it's an interesting interesting company. They've, they've been nothing but kind and, and Generous with their time with me, and we've had them on our podcast multiple times. So if you're curious, you can check those out and see if there's someone you'd want to consider talking to.
1: Oh, that's great! Yeah, Thank we'll you. include those in our in our show notes. I love it. Um, so, in line with thinking of of ways to pay down your student
2: loans, what what are your thoughts on the federal student
1: loan forgiveness program?
2: Do you have any? Yeah, I do. Yeah, so I I, I looked into it. It's something that I, I I had originally thought would be. Great for me. I think there are a couple things to consider, and, and I'm by no means an expert on this. So, so if there's uh, any fact checkers, I'm going to try to stay away from facts because I'm it's, <laughs> it's not my area of expertise. But... You sound like
1: a politician now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, I don't want to steer anyone the wrong way. So that's that's my only thing. Fair my enough. my my initial thoughts are it's a great idea, great concept, and I have heard from some people that it has really helped. I've also heard that a lot of people have started on it become disillusioned by it and have stopped being on that program. So, that's that's just general. I don't I don't have a, a personal experience with it. I will say the one thing that has constantly come up through uh talking with different people is that it's sort of up to the legislation at this point whether or not it stays in place. And so it's not a once you're in it's fixed, you're into it and you get 10 years. If a new let's say uh, leadership and government came in, that could be essentially wiped away in a moment. And and again, I, I try not to state that as fact. That's what I've I've gathered and learned or heard. And so that's something that's worth considering. You know, it's not like, a, from what I understand, it's not a locked in system that you are guaranteed once you're in it, you can get out. And you have to think too, you know, a hospital can shut down if you're not working for them. Essentially the student loan forgiveness is you work for any type of nonprofit which can be a hospital which I think is ironic because hospitals work on a profit. Yeah, they uh, make a lot of money. They make a lot, of money, <laughs> right? So the irony there I'm I'm not sure about. But for nonprofits, so if you work for like a children's institute or you know local any nonprofit type of organization then you can work for them for 10 years and essentially whatever you have not paid back you would be forgiven for the rest of your student loan debt. And I just don't know enough to really make recommendations all I can just say is is what I've learned up to this point and it's certainly worth looking into if if you think that your career path wants to go or you want to go with your career path down a a more uh, service oriented path I would highly recommend looking into it and really digging into seeking out people who have gone through it or who are in it and find out real testimonials which is something I'm hoping to do on the podcast here soon awesome yeah so if 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 you're considering that
1: as an option, check out Will's podcast, Breaking Student Debt, uh, to learn more about that, hopefully in the near future, as you can schedule those. So since we've mentioned your podcast, can you take a little deeper dive into what Breaking Student Debt is and who you feature on your podcast
2: and how that might
1: help uh, your target audience?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. I appreciate the opportunity to to talk about it. It's something that's been a, a really interesting ride for me. I, I Essentially, the, the whole goal is to, one, document my own journey and struggles with trying to figure out this maze of how do I pay back all of this money. So a part of that is understanding the system. So I, I have I've had guests on who talk about sort of the macro or bigger picture of student loan debt and policy. Why are we in this mess? Uh, why why are we still valuing education at this incredible financial cost? And is it worth it? So that's that's a a small segment of it, but I think it's worth trying to understand first. And then the other thing is to try to talk specifics about taking your loan down or figuring out how to get out of debt. So tactics and strategies, we had these really great guys on the debt-free guys who (laughs) talked about mindset and what it takes to uh, the principles of living a debt-free life, which I think so much of life and anything and any goal that you set comes down to your mindset and willingness to commit to it. Um, And so, starting the podcast really for me was about making a commitment that I'm going to stick this out and I'm going to figure out how to get out of this debt. And then the other thing is to talk about growing your own income, because I think one of the quickest ways of getting rid of your debt, of any debt, is increasing your income or at least disposable income that you can put towards your debt. Mm -hmm. And so, I didn't want it to be about just complaining about student loan debt and not really offering options or solutions. So, that's that's kind of what it's about. It's it's really meant for anyone who is faced with student loan debt. It, it could apply to anyone with any debt, but it's more documenting the student loan debt process. And then, I think for especially parents who are interested in having their, their kids are thinking about college or going to school, I think it's really great to just understand the system. I, I truly think that it's meant to be somewhat complicated, so you don't really... Argue with it, or you don't confront it mm-hmm. and challenge it. It's just meant to be so confusing that you just accept that that's what is the norm, and we should do that. And uh, I guess my hope and my ultimate goal is to challenge that. Is it? Is it the best thing that we should be doing? Are there other ways? And uh, yeah, I'm I'm just passionate about it. I, I just don't want to see other people have to go through the the process that I've gone through of opening up your <laughs> your bank statement, and seeing the negative <laughs> hundred fifty plus thousand dollars. Uh, it just there are too many really bright, wonderful people in the world that I think are their creativity is stifled because they're trapped in this mindset of I have to worry about money so much, and so that's my goal is to help people get out of that so we can enjoy the creativity that that everyone
0: has. Yeah, thank, thanks. Bill. We appreciate that. One thing I love is that you're talking about the solution because, like you mentioned, there's a lot of people out there who are complaining. And oftentimes right. a lot of people are complaining about the system and they're complaining about our government and they're complaining about, in many ways, they're complaining about how they think th- things have changed. And we know that things, especially for students, has, has changed in the seventies. Someone could have a part time job and afford to put themselves through school and there's and that's at a four year institution and we know that that's just not possible today there's no way that somebody can work a part time job and cover all of their tuition costs and their living costs and so we know that things have changed and i think especially in our community the lgbt community there's a lot of concern about how things are changing um and concern about with what's what's going on with government john you had a statistic of, of around that
1: Yeah. So Mass Mutual did a study recently that showed that 80% of those surveyed in the LGBT community are worried about the direction of the country compared to 66% of the general population. And what I wanted to actually ask Will about was um, they also found that 65% of those surveyed in the LGBT community worry about money more so than 57% of the general population. And that affects their mental health and their stress levels. And then, in addition, 45% say it negatively affects their diet and ability to eat healthy, live healthy etc., compared to 34% of the general population. And you're a physical therapist, a doctor in physical therapy. I know you also have another podcast called The Nobody's Podcast, K-N-O-W-B-O-D-I-E-S, uh, where you talk about uh, health research and and, and uh, how to stay healthy and, and about physical therapy. What advice would you have for the LGBT community who may not be responding as um, positively as the general population to the the changes in their finances uh, or what their perceived changes in finances might be?
2: Yeah. I think first off, I just think in general, we are grossly underestimating the cost of financial worry on our physical health. I just think that if, if you were to tell someone, hey, you don't really have a choice but to work for someone else Or figure out some way to bust your butt for 18 hours a day for 10, 20, 30, 40. I mean, we just talked about people retiring still not being able to pay this back. How is it not going to affect our mental health, which is then directly going to affect our physical health? So, I just think overall for anyone that we need to be aware of it. We need to start talking about it. And I think especially for the LGBT community, I think we need more people to document what they're feeling, what they're going through in this process, because we need more we need more transparency, we need more perspective. I think, especially in the healthcare world, my heart goes out to people in the LGBT community who, with not just new administration, but the changing world of healthcare and that, you know, pre-existing conditions, who knows if those will still be able to be upheld and that you won't be penalized for that or or any of those things. I, I can understand completely how this time of chaos and confusion only adds to the stress and to the worry. And and as a healthcare provider, uh, honestly, I, I think one of the biggest things that we see, not just the LGBT community, but especially in that community, is how much just the mental health aspect is is being dictated by finances, by our social appearances. You know, as an as a guess as an outsider, I would say is just looking in and, and having plenty of friends in the LGBT community there's definitely this idea of lifestyle and looking a certain way. And it's something that we talked about on, on my podcast mm-hmm. with you guys. Yep. And that, you know, we need to have this talk about, is, is, that worth, is it worth all of that for what we're giving up in terms of financial freedom? And I think that's where, like what you guys are doing is, is so empowering, is sharing that story and, and sort of breaking down the, I don't know, norms or expectations and we need more of those stories. We need more people to stand up and and just challenge things. And and that goes within any community, any system. And I think, you know, especially in the LGBT community right now, if 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 that is a major concern, then we need more leaders to step up to the plate and say, you know, this is an issue. Here's why. And let's get together. Let's band together and, and create some type of of community that is can take this forward in a positive direction. So. That's how I see it, and I just I really really feel strongly that we are underestimating how taxing financial worry is on our both mental, emotional, and physical health.
1: Yeah, I, I would 100% agree with you there. I think two things I've taken from this particular podcast. One, I would go back to if you're if you're feeling this kind of financial stress and it's affecting your health, go back to Will's point from earlier in the show. Where he was feeling a little bit of stress um, early on and in his career, and th- felt he needed to do something more physical um, to keep himself in shape and to release his stress and to stay in a- stay healthy. I would say that's an option for the LGBT community if they're feeling a little bit stressed right now um, about their finances and the direction of the country. I would also go back to your point, and you can always find somebody to complain about things with you. And I fear mm-hmm. that right now our community is sort of um, stuck in this sort of echo chamber of, of, of negative talk. And that only can compound on on your stress and your health. So maybe find alternative positive resources, like such as Will's podcast, maybe Queer Money, uh, or even the personal friends who will f- help find solutions and not just complain about things for you.
0: Right, and I will say we also know that the just from statistics, our community is more likely to look to outward tangible substances or activities, things that they will use to make themselves feel better. More young LGBT people smoke than average. We have a higher rate of drinking than average, higher rate of drug use than average, higher rate of homelessness than average. And a lot of those are things that can easily become the traps, the mental traps of making yourself feel better when you're struggling financially. And so it, it it makes sense that the statistics that Mass Mutual brought up that that we're scared and we're concerned and and what that does to us physically that we want to protect ourselves from these kinds of things happening. And I, I will always go back to this: the day that John and I finally were debt free. And granted, we we had a vacation planned that we, had paid, we were ready to take and paid cash for it. But just the day that we said we are finally debt-free was incredibly empowering and motivating and uplifting to me because I had this albatross around my neck for 17 years. And it was just incredibly – it made me feel so much better about who I am as a person almost as much as when I came out and finally said that, that I am I am gay. And I think that, that financially, if we can trap ourselves with massive amounts of student debt, especially that will never allow you to live the life that you really want to be able to live.
1: Yeah. I think there's a crossroads there for you, Will, in studying the mental and psychological and physical <laughs> effects of money stress um, and how you can overcome that <laughs> Since, with your yeah. knowledge with uh, money and um, physical therapy.
2: <laughs> yeah. it's. I think it's, you know, I really, really think that we, uh, I'll be honest, in, in the physical therapy world, I think a lot of people associate what we do is sort of massage, stretching, exercise, which which it is. And I, I think we, we do a really good job at that. And I, I think we do an amazing job, but I'll be honest in that the past year of working in clinics, uh, what through school and now uh, professionally, I really feel that the healthcare world just as much as the financial world it is so much more psychology than it is any other aspect, whether that's for physical therapy, you might think it'd be physiological or you know debt, you might think it or money, you might think it's financial knowledge or savvy. I think so much is just psychology though and your mindset and your willingness to say that I'm not going to run away from this like I was doing during school, I was running away from the problem. I was just ignoring it. And at some point just confronting it and saying, I acknowledge you that you're real, you're a real problem. And I'm the one who's going to have to figure out how to get out of this. There's not going to be an external solution. No one's going to come in and sweep in and say, Hey, you know what? I found 160 grand on the street for you. Here you go. Will.' like I can wish, but that's, that's just likely not going to happen. And so for me, I think in any field, it, it it comes down to psychology and and I know this probably wasn't part of the question but I think just self development is is the most important thing you can do in life and uh if I could recommend anything to anyone right now it's it's start investing in yourself investing in your own belief system and what you what you want out of life and uh it's not easy when you're young but I really do think that's the way to financial
0: freedom uh at least to start yeah that's awesome <laughs> yeah I will completely agree with you you know our community loves unicorns and the investing community loves unicorns because they are powerful and they give back to the the investment that you've made but you are you are your own unicorn <laughs> nobody is going like you said nobody's going to write in on that unicorn and hand you $160,000 it's going to be <laughs> yourself
1: yeah, I love I love your 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 positive approach and the way you're serving people, and I and I love your personal ac- uh, accountability. Um, it wasn't until David and I realized uh, or owned up to the fact that we made our own mess and that nobody else was going to fix it, um, or were we able to sort of turn things around. So I think it's that's awesome. And more of our listeners uh, and our debt free guys readers um, certainly need to check out Will's podcast, Breaking Student Debt. Well, where all can our people find you on social media and the internets? <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> well, first, I just, I really wanted to say that you guys are a tremendous inspiration to me and uh, the work that, that I'm trying to do. You have to follow the lead of someone, right? We're all just standing on the shoulders of giants and you guys might not see yourself as giants, but I really do look up to you guys and am and inspired by the work that you guys are doing and how you're serving your community and serving people. Just thank you so much for what you guys do. Uh, In terms of... Yeah, absolutely. In terms of social media, um, I think my Twitter is Breaking S Debt. Somebody had already stolen Breaking Student Debt. So Breaking S Debt. Uh, And then Two Nobodies, T-W-O-K-N-O-W-B-O-D-I-E-S. And if you just Google Nobodies or Breaking Student Debt, I think the website's come up in the first few results. So... Uh, Yeah. And if if you're curious about me, I think my Twitter is uh, Will underscore B underscore Cameron. Feel free to follow me or add me. If you have questions or going through something, look me up on Facebook as well and and be happy to chat and
0: and try to help in any way I can.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on Queer Money.
0: Definitely. And we'll have links to to your show and your Twitter account on the show notes page. Great. Thank you so much, guys. It, It was an honor to be on the show with you guys. Thank you. Thanks again, Will, for joining us on this episode of Queer Money. We really appreciate your keen insight and helping us with this subject of student loan debt, something that I fortunately have never had to deal with. Thanks again also for turning us on to the website FitBucks, which is helping students, especially those in the healthcare field, pay off their student loan debt faster. Getting your financial life in order is something that we all want to do. And MassMutual, our sponsor, is a champion of that. Check them out at MassMutual.com.
1: Okay, we just serviced you, now you get to service us by subscribing to this podcast on iTunes and signing up for the Queer Money Lifestyle Newsletter at Queer.Money.
0: Well, I'm not really gay.
2: It
1: <laughs> <laughs> would help me if I had a personal chef who made all my emails all meals for me. Right. So instead I'll have a Snickers tonight for
0: <laughs> <laughs> The other end, I like the butts, so...
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh,